Good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Anderson. I'm one of the elders here. I was asked to read uh, a couple verses out of Ephesians 4, and this is part of today's service. So this is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Okay. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thanks, Steve. You know, this is, uh, we're approaching that season of gift giving, right? Uh, Christmas is just right around the corner, and uh, people have already got their trees up. I don't understand that, but that's the way some people are, okay? But I want us this morning to look at gift giving, the gifts that Jesus Christ has given to the church. In fact, in Ephesians 4, the passage that... um, uh, Steve read for us uh, in the verse verses just before uh, what he began reading in verse eight. Um, the apostle Paul points out the fact that Jesus, in his ascension into heaven, gave gifts to his people, gave gifts to the church, and and as. Yeah, well, let me read verse 7 for you. That, that'll help you. It says, the scripture says, when he, and it's talking about Jesus, ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. You know, when the New Testament talks about gifts, it normally talks about them in the sense of spiritual gifts. Uh, those manifestations of the Holy Spirit that God gives to people who are believers to help build up the body of Christ. But here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking about different roles or people as gifts to the church. Uh, He says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor teachers, their responsibility is to equip the people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So these people, Paul is saying, that, that Christ has given to the church, they're gifts, those of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. And as you look at those terms, those are distinct categories of leadership uh, in the church. You could, could almost put the, the label elder on them. Because the elder the word elder applies to these men, or at least uh, these gifts, or at least some of them. I want us to consider this morning that the Bible teaches um, a lot about the gift of elders 
to a church body uh, that God has given to the church. You know, elders have been a part of Judaism and Christianity from way, way back, from the early days of the, the Exodus event. It's interesting that the Hebrew word elder means beard or chin, really referring to uh, the age or the, the appearance of a leader in the church, that he had a lot of experience, had a lot of wisdom. And we see the very first elders in Scripture in Exodus chapter 24, where 70 elders of Israel went with uh, Moses and Aaron uh, and had a covenant meal before the Lord there on Mount Sinai. Uh, you trace on down, and in the first century world, elders were those who helped out with uh, kind of the... the um, influence over the nation. They didn't lead necessarily religiously. They didn't lead uh, politically, but they had a lot of influence and helped out with the priests and, uh, and even with the Roman government officials. They had some influence in that sense. When you come to the, the New Testament church, the first time we see the reference to elders in the church in Jerusalem, and here was a decision-making body for that early church. They were the ones who had a lot of, of, of important responsibility to make decisions that impacted the life of the entire church. In uh, the book of Acts, we see Paul and Barnabas on their very first missionary journey. One of the things they did after they planted the churches in those regions, they appointed elders in each church. And then when you get to the book of Titus, Paul gives instructions to Titus that what I want you to do is to appoint elders in all the churches on the island of Crete. In fact, let me read that section, Titus chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. It says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, must be the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, uh, not pursuing dishonest gain. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 8 says, rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So from those instructions and from the the, the you know, the, the incidents that we talked about in the establishment of the church and, and the book of, uh, the, the church in Jerusalem and so forth, we can gain, I think, can really learn seven different things that elders do or elders are. Seven things that we need to know about elders that will really maybe help you as a church body and those of you watching online to really understand why it is that we as a church are called an elder-led church. And what are the roles of the elders? What do they do? And so that's what we're going to look at real briefly here this morning. First of all, elders are shepherds. Elders are shepherds, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It repeatedly employs that metaphor of shepherding 
to describe the, really the spiritual leadership that these men give over God's people. Acts chapter 20 verse 28 talks about the elders as overseers who watch over the flock of God, the church. Uh, in the book of Acts, again, chapter 20 verse 28, we read this, Be on guard for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So there's one key. It's the Holy Spirit who appoints a person as an elder. He calls them out, as it were. He says, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the flock of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then listen to these words from Peter to those who serve as elders. He's writing in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. He says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight, not by compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So one of the jobs of the elders here at Calvary Baptist Church is to shepherd the flock. That is, we're to help each family member in our church family to grow spiritually, to find their place in ministry within our church, and really help them to carry out the the mission that is assigned to our church. So that's one of the things they do. They shepherd, they they oversee. In fact, in in Ephesians chapter 4 that uh, Steve read earlier, it talks about their responsibility, and he's talking about these leaders in the church, is to equip God's people to do His work. In other words, to do the ministry. The the membership does the ministry. The elders give oversight and help equip them and encourage them to do the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. You see the growing up, the building up, the the, uh, growing to spiritual maturity, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's the benchmark. We're to grow to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So elders are shepherds. A a corollary idea in all of that is that elders are also pastors. They're also pastors. And and really, I guess that's a repetition of the idea of an elder as a shepherd, because the word pastor means shepherd, okay? And so we often, though, in our tradition, use the word pastor to really speak of paid preachers, right? I'm the pastor, okay? Um, And, you know, everybody else is lay leaders. And maybe we call them elders, maybe we call them deacons or whatever. But unfortunately, what that does is that sets up a, a, a tendency to, you know, kind of an artificial distinction by which we think of pastors as the professionals and everybody else as, you know, the volunteers and they're not quite as good or, or whatever you want to call that. Folks, that's not biblical, okay? Um, listen, a pastor is an elder and an elder is a pastor. Uh, that's the bottom line. And so the five of us who serve as elders here at Calvary Baptist Church, whether we're paid a salary by the church or not, we pastor, we shepherd this flock. 
That's the, the assignment that we've been given. And all our pastors, all of our elders, even though there's a division of labor and different responsibilities that each one of us have, we all are our pastors of the church. A third thought that we read from Scripture is that elders are plural. That is, it's not just one elder, but it, it's, a, it's a, a plurality of elders. That's the New Testament pattern, that there's more than one leader in a church. There's a, a shared leadership. It's shared responsibility. And I am so glad for that. You know, I came, when I came to this church uh, 13 and a half years ago, I had never been in a church that had elder leadership. Um, most of the churches, I was kind of the lone leader. And you know, it's kind of lonely being the lone leader. Because folks, you know, if there's not any toilet paper in the ladies' restroom, whose fault is it? It's the pastor's fault. Blame him, you know. Or if somebody told the music guy, hey, I want to sing a solo one Sunday, and she didn't get to sing a solo, whose fault is it? It's not the music guy, it's the pastor, you know. And so you're kind of a walking target as a single lone pastor. I came to Calvary and I thought, well, I've never experienced this before, but we'll give it a whirl. I want you to know I love shared leadership. I mean, there are five guys that shoulder the responsibility, not just me. And so it's, it's a very good biblical pattern. It's a shared leadership. So elders are plural. A fourth thing, elders are to lead. They are the God-ordained leaders of the church. They have a measure of authority over the local church. I mean, that's why the, the New Testament also calls them overseers. That's another word that's used in the, in the scriptural text. The elders' authority is not absolute. It's not unquestionable. Nor should it be exercised in a domineering pattern. Yet God calls His shepherds to provide leadership for the flock. You know what? In general... God expects the church, the church family, to submit to that leadership. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. The writer says this, and he's talking to Christians, believers. He says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And listen to this. This is so important. And they are accountable to God. Bruce, Rob, Steve, John... We're accountable to God for how we oversee this church. That's an awesome responsibility. And so the writer of Hebrews says, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So one of the things that you are to do as a church family is you're to give obedience. Now, not blanket obedience, you know, lockstep and you got to, but to understand the leadership that we give and that we give is God given to us. Number five, elders must be godly, must be godly. I mean, it's interesting to me that the New Testament job description, you know, you have a job description at work and what does it list? It lists duties. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. The job description for or the, the characteristics that are given for elders in the New Testament are not duties to be carried out, but they're characteristics to live out. Listen to 1 Timothy 3. It says, This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. 
He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So elders are to be men of God. They're to be men who are above reproach. And a corollary of that then is the sixth thought that we we gain in Scripture about elders is that elders should model godliness. Not only should they be godly, but they need to model godliness to the church family. Uh, The elders' character matters, folks, because the elders model Christianity before the world and before the church family. Peter again said this in 1 Peter 5, and he's talking to the elders here. He says, lead them by your own good example. Hebrews 13, 7 again, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. See, as a church family, we need to see in our elders inspiring examples of what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to live a godly life. Um, And so we're to be examples, guys, to our church family. Now, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But we're striving to grow each and every day to become more and more what God wants us to be through Jesus Christ. And then the, the last thing I think we learn about eldership is that elders should teach. They need to be able to teach so that they can build up the church with sound doctrine and and to thwart off any kind of false doctrine that might sneak into the church. And so that teaching ministry can take many forms. It can be in the sense of one-on-one instruction. It could be leading a small group or leading a Bible study class or something like that, or explaining biblical truth. And I am so grateful that each one of our elders are, are men who teach. Who can teach? Steve Anderson teaches uh, a couples class on Sunday morning, one of our small groups. Uh, Bruce teaches a men's group on Sunday morning, uh, and he's accountable to help those men to grow in faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Rob and his wife give leadership to our youth ministry and teach our young people and helping them to grow and to develop in Jesus Christ. Uh, Pastor John and his wife uh, have led a small group, are going to be leading small group in the, in the spring, and uh, he has occasion to, to be up here and teach as well. And then I have the, the responsibility of being the lead teaching elder in, in the church. So these are the things that elders do, and that's why we as a board, uh, elder team was really what we call them. We don't use the term board as much. Uh, But our responsibility is to give spiritual oversight to this church, to making sure that everything functions smoothly. And that does involve from time to time dealing with matters of the business of the church, the financial aspect of the church, the personnel issues of the church. That's a part of what we do as, as elders. So we come this morning to set aside another God called Holy Spirit anointed man to the office of elders. So Bruce. 
Usually, we'd bring an elder candidate before the church after about six months, but with the transition and the adjustments related to COVID, COVID sorry, the process has had its delays. What does standing in the gap look like? Reading a little bit from Todd Wagner in his blog, it is step up, lead, initiate, be a man of action. Assume it's your job and your moment. Hate apathy, reject passivity. For Rob, this was stepping up to lead in our youth department. Starting the Bible study that fit the work schedule of the men on his shift and taking mission trips to Greece and to Alaska. In Mark 9, 35, it says, he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. It was Rob's servant heart that God used to guide the elder team to consider him in serving as an elder at Calvary. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Having Rob in our men's Bible study, I saw him follow this commandment firsthand. He was always representing Christ at work and around the community praying for his co-workers, inviting them to church, and bringing them. Quite an example to all of us. Getting training on how to share the gospel message and truly loving the lost. Again, it is my privilege to bring before the church for a nation a man called by God to stand in the gap. Here at Calvary, and also a wonderful friend, I call up Rob Carter. It works. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bruce, and thank all of you guys for being here and for uh, allowing me the privilege and opportunity to serve this way. Um, my testimony: I was raised in Salt Lake City, and my mom, who's here took me to Baptist Church. I grew up in a Baptist church there in West Jordan. And it was as a young man about between 10 and 12 that I accepted Christ. And as often happens, as I grew from there, I fell away from God and didn't exactly grow spiritually from that point on. I did a somewhat until as happens often, teenage years hit. And then after my teenage years, after high school, getting out into the workforce, and you just kind of turn your back on some of the things that I was taught. But I always had that feeling that there was more, uh, what we call kingdom seekers. There was always something in me seeking God. No matter how far I ran, no matter what I did, no matter how I turned my back on him, there was always something calling me back. And then a number of years ago, as we have Calvary host the men's game feed here in town, and we had a group, the Witt brothers came and gave a presentation. And they talked about their dad, who was a pastor 
that was killed in a hunting accident. And I remember I was sitting right in this room, right in that chair, when they talked about this, uh, don't miss heaven by 18 inches. Don't let your head get in the way of your heart. And it was that day I remembered that Christ grabbed me and said, it's time, come back, it's time. And the greatest thing about God is that no matter how far I moved, no matter how much distance I put between me and him, when he did that, when I turned around, he was there. He was right with me. He had never left. I just didn't see him. And so that day, I recommitted my life. And from there, I've tried to grow and learn as much as I could. I started out in a small group with Pastor Jared. You guys remember Pastor Jared. I took a class with him. I was in Pastor Sam's men's group for a little while. I've been in Pastor John's group. I've been in Bruce's group for quite a while. I led my own group for a little while till COVID hit and kind of shut everything down. And then my wife and I have taken on the role as leading the youth and teaching there along with my wife has taught the kids for quite a while. So throughout all the time that I was moving away from God and I had that pull, I was learning a lot of things about life and about myself that I think equipped me for this leadership role. And when God calls you, you, you know, you hear the term or you hear the terms being called. And a lot of times you don't understand what that means. We talked about it this morning in our group that when you have that call, you hear that call, you know what you've heard. Your soul feels it. it might not be words in your head straight from God, but your soul feels it, what you're called to do. And when Pastor Sam approached me almost two years ago to prayerfully consider being on the elder team, I, I did what he said. And at first, the responsibility seemed overwhelming. And as you prayed about it, and I just felt that that's where God was leading me. How many people here have asked God, what do you want me to do? Where are you leading me? And where are you taking me? And God answered me with that. And so all of my past experiences, all the things that I've learned about leading through the different jobs that I've had in the workforce and um, in EMS, I've been in EMT for a long time. I think all of those were built. God was preparing me for this time. And I've learned a lot through my time. And as the song said, his faithfulness was always there. And as Pastor Sam just said, as an elder, you have to be able to lead. You have to be able to teach. But a verse that sticks in my head that defines, I think, what all of us should do, but something that anchors me and anchors all of our elder team is Micah 6.8. When he says, no, people, the Lord has showed you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Thank you. I want to ask uh, 
Rob some questions on behalf of our congregation, and it really is just uh, uh, some, some questions that will help you to affirm to all of us where you stand. Do you affirm that in the call of this church family to serve as an elder, that you're being called by God Himself? Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God, the only infallible rule of life and faith? Do you affirm the doctrinal stance of this church, rejecting all teaching that contradicts them? And do you promise to do the work of elder faithfully in a way worthy of your calling and in submission to Jesus Christ as Lord under the guidance and discipline of the church? I do. Good. Then uh, to our church family, let me ask this question. Do you affirm and... uh, affirm God's call on Rob's life to serve as an elder in this church and do you to uh, will you commit yourself pledge to support and encourage and follow and pray for Rob in the days ahead if so would you indicate by saying we will well and that becomes an official vote so I will also allow anybody to dissent if you're uh, in not in favor of Rob as an elder you may say nay Okay, so it's unanimous. All right. John, come lead us in, in a prayer of, of ordination. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for uh, your watch care over us. We thank you for this day where we get to celebrate and and uh, as we ordain Rob Carter here, as, as uh, we gather to do that, Lord, we thank you for being good to us. We thank you for being faithful to us. We thank you for loving us. And we thank you for the salvation. We thank you for sending your son to die and to rise from the dead in three days so that we can have eternal life, Lord. We just praise you now for, we thank you for Rob. We thank you for his willingness to serve. We thank you for the call upon his life to be an elder of Calvary Baptist Church. We thank you for his family. We thank you for Monica, for Skye, and for all the family that have gathered here today. We pray that they will surround him and, 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 and lift him up as he uh, takes on this task. Lord, we pray that we as a church family will surround Rob, lift him up as he takes on this task. And we as fellow elders will support him, will lift him up and keep him in prayer. And we just thank you for his service, for his willingness to serve, for the call upon his life and for his dedication to you. Lord, keep him close, keep him clean, keep him serving you. And we thank you in advance for what... You're going to need to use him for in this church. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.